What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Face. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we are talking about The Tree, the complete book of Saxon witchcraft written by Raymond Buckland. Now, we've talked about Buckland before. We talked about the complete book of witchcraft. So I'm not going to go into his bio again. People can just, if you don't remember, you can go back. But uh, just briefly, he was initiated by Gardner. He then wrote the big book of um, which big book of witchcraft, I believe, um, which really takes you through the steps to create your own coven, to have an understanding of witchcraft. But I wanted to talk about this one, which came out in 1974, because we talk so much about, hey, do your own thing. Hey, do your own thing. Well, he did. And that's what this book is. In fact, this is also not just an understanding of Saxon witchcraft, but really is the book of shadows that you can take. He says it. It's not like we've invented that. He says you can just rip off the book of shadows. It's not a mystery. So we thought we could talk about that, especially when we start thinking about how other people define coven and how we are now looking at witchcraft through a different lens that's not as traditional. Yeah, I think it was... Very interesting also because Buckland is British but ended up moving to America. Right. And I think that this book especially is really indicative of the difference between the British experience and the American experience. Because the UK is is much smaller geographically than America. You know, if you had to drive a little bit to find a coven in the UK, that might not be as big of a deal as having to drive to a whole nother state, which could be eight to 20 hours in the US. So seeing him build self-initiation into a sort of Wiccan framework really makes sense for the way the religion has developed in specifically America. Right. And we're also taking into account the fact that there is no internet. You can't just read about a coven and decide you want to join it in 1974, like you said, if they're in a different state. And he probably took all of that into consideration. Now, so the first thing he starts off with in the intro that I loved, he says, today there is a growing interest in the occult, witchcraft in particular. I feel that every decade, someone says that. Yeah. There are news reports, witchcraft is the growing, the fastest growing religion in the United States or around the world or whatever it is. Um, And there's always that focus on today. Today, there is an interest. So 1974, 1984, 1994, whatever you want to put up the markers. He also says, there are several reasons for this. The main one being the form of education received by young people today. They are taught to be inquisitive. Gone are the days where they would accept as gospel whatever was handed down to them. And there's also a dissatisfaction with organized religion. Yes. Yes. I mean, yes, 1974. Yes, 2020 and beyond. But, you know, dissatisfaction with organized religion and gone are the days where they would accept as gospel whatever was handed to them. But don't we still have an old guard? Don't we still have people saying, well, unless you were initiated or if it's not British traditional Wicca, it's not, it's nothing. We have. We, I mean, I heard them recently. We discussed yeah. that in a podcast too. Somebody that I liked that was in a different tradition, basically maligning Wicca. Um, we still have people who are saying, okay, we don't want organized religion. We don't want all these rules. But I'm Gerald Gardner and I'm going to tell you that you have to 
to create ceremony like this. And we have to go with, you know, these strict gender binary rules and these numbers of how many people can be there. And this is an acceptable way of doing things. And I feel that in 1974, you had more people that were being initiated into covens than were just being on their own. And even though he says this, literally on page one, it's really not what he followed up until yeah. this point anyway, right? It still was, this is Gardnerian, or then eventually this is Alexandrian, or whatever, you know, this is Dianic, and you have to do things a certain way. Um so even though it seems that people want to break away from it, I feel like as human beings, there are still some who, I don't want to be told what to do. Tell me what I need to do. Yeah, I think that one of the things that really struck me when reading this book is kind of the way that Wicca foundationally conceptualized the gods. Because I think especially now in like the last 20 years, there's been this big push to like know your gods personally, to build like actual relationships with deity. But the way that Gardner and the way that Buckland talk about gods is not really like that. It's sort of just like these are the ways in which you worship the deity. These are the practices in which you must commit. And and listening to him in the book talk about Woden and Freya, it was almost sort of like Buckland wanted to give you like a background like here you can now be saxon because you know how the saxons worked and what the saxons prayed to and here is how you worship woden and here's how you worship freya but it's not it's not about like this deep like personal connection it's about these are the rules for worshiping woden and freya and i think that i i do like i'm hands up in the air here. I think that that's partially because of how Wicca came to be in this kind of like almost reactionary sense to be like, we need to have another option for religion. You know, like I, this needs to be created, but it still sort of took the same foundation that Christianity or Judaism or Islam had where it's like, we are assuming from the jump that you are going to worship deity in a specific way and we are going to provide for you the specific way to do so versus this much more modern take, I think, where it's it's a lot more wibbly-wobbly. Like, you get to have that, uh, that personal gnosis. You get to have that personal aspect. You get to determine what works for you and what doesn't. And I think we're kind of seeing that in all religions because I think you see a much more, like, the much more modern take on Christianity is to eschew things like not wearing mixed fabrics or not getting tattoos. So I, it's very interesting to look back at Buckland, who was making these fundamental changes to Gardner, and yet still really fitting into the way religion was practiced in 1974. You know, when it comes to the gods, and I believe we touched upon this on an earlier podcast, there was a time in history, where people worship different things. And some of them were the gods that we still talk about today. Did that mean that everybody was a witch? Yes, it does. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, that was the religion of the day. So from those earlier religions and what people took from them, some people then, that becomes part of your culture. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I am pretty sure the things that I do could have been passed down from the indigenous people from the lands that my family, my ancestors came from. And if you ask somebody, why do you do things this way? There may not be a solid answer. There may not be, you know, oh, because back in 14, whatever. Like, I don't think people know that. It's just something that's passed on. So I do believe that witchcraft came, you know, the fact that we have gods in a lot of witchcraft practice I think comes from that. I think it comes from the connections and the mythology of these gods and what they've come to represent. But I think the thing that's definitely static that you see in all these books on witchcraft is this idea of working with energy, this idea of knowing your surroundings, because if you're utilizing elements of the earth, then you have to know, you know, what does this actually mean? And that's going to come from myths. Every society has had their own myths, including Christian myths, the Bible. So if you look at the myths of a people, then you say, well, they used to worship these gods. So does that mean that witches worship these gods? Yes and no. Right? There are witches that don't worship that, but believe, I mean, you know, okay. So my, on my mother's side of the family, there is a deep connection to magic. But because of the colonizers, they consider themselves Christian, mm-hmm. right? When I look at their practice and when I look at who they are and then I look at other people that I know that are Catholic, it's a totally different animal. It does not look the same yes. as other people's Catholicism. So, and I think that's going to be the same for witches as well. I may worship a certain goddess because I have read the mythology and I have connected with this goddess then may have nothing to do with how somebody else has worshipped her or will worship her yeah. in the future. Um, so, I, and I think that's something that he's, like you said, he's not making that distinction. I think that's something that's happened over time. Absolutely. It'd be interesting as we keep reading, when did that break happen? Because this is not something new. This is not something that yeah. you and I came up with. You know? Yeah, I actually would really like I'm that's like a thing that I'm gonna be looking for now is as we move forward in our texts, when does right. it become personal? Right. And we'll get there. We'll get to, to oh, those sure. books. And my question is so then do newer witches have it easier? In other words, do they have to go through the muck? Like I felt like I had to go through the muck of Gardner and all these people and you know, basically being shamed by other witches because I didn't want to follow a particular thing. Is it easier? And I, I mean, I'm not saying like, oh, darn it, it's easier for them. I don't mean that. I just, I hope it's easier for people who, you yes. know, are interested to get in it. It absolutely is easier. And it's easier because people like Buckland saw that there was a need that needed to be filled, that saw that in America, there was no way that if you wanted to be Wiccan for whatever reason, that you could just do that and still maintain your regular life. And so he was like, you know what? Self-initiation is a necessary thing. It is part of the religion now. We are adding that. It is acceptable. And And he does say that it's a religion. I mean, he does say it is a nature-based religion. um, Dating from pre-Christian times. I don't don't deny that. I mean, you know, is it a a formal religion the way they have mentioned it? No. But obviously people have been doing things forever. People have understood that there's magic and there's... um, energy work that can be done forever. I actually, I like screenshotted that 
I read the book on the computer this time, and I, I screenshotted right. that section on page three about as a nature-based religion, it's attractive to all of these people for all of these different reasons. And I think that the reasons haven't changed. You know, if you care about the earth, if you care about it being um, less esoteric, which I think is funny that he wrote that because Wicca is based in like occult mysticism and yet is still less esoteric than major world religions. Um, A religion of participation. It appeals to um, equality of the sexes and it doesn't proselytize. Like those are things that draw people in now and haven't really changed. And so I liked that he kind of laid that out at the beginning of the book so that we could kind of look back and be like, oh yeah, that's, this is the reason, these are the reasons that people get into this regardless of the time. He says that, okay, so the the three things were those who want uncomplicated rights, which seriously, casting a circle, I mean, let's be honest, by the time you take out all your statues and all your props and all the things that you need, um, it's kind of complicated. And then if you do it with a coven, who's doing what? Yeah. It's not. So, okay. Uh, want to participate, not just sit in on the sidelines. Yes. Equality among all genders. I love how he says all genders when he's only recognizing two, but we'll go into that as we keep going. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting too, that. because putting self-initiation into the religion, um, putting self-initiation in allows for you to start your own coven he's not giving you self-initiation as a tool to um to work on your own like he still thinks it's fundamentally necessary for you to practice with other people and that i think is just really interesting because yes like there was a niche that we needed we needed self-initiation we needed to be able to do that but it's 1974 and we're still we're still working under the assumption, you know, you need to be doing this with other people. It's still a group religion. And I think especially in modern times, Wicca is not a group religion anymore. Right. You know, when at least when you see imagery of it online, when you talk to people, a lot of people are um practicing by themselves. They're not practicing with a coven or the coven that they have is not a Wiccan coven. It's a witch right. coven. Air quotes on that. Um, right. Because of the complicated definition that you have to go through. But I think that's, like, you can trace that. You Okay, we've added self-initiation now into the practice so that you can start a coven. And then we're going to find we've added self-initiation so that you can practice by yourself. And then we're going to find you know, the next step of that. And it, it's it's a very traceable history. You know, you, you mentioned the, the whole the coven thing because um, they say witches do not want to convert others. And I wish, you know, he had said, and some people go into it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> like I needed that yeah. like at the end. I think every coven is going to have initiation. And I think for us, it's a process of how long do we know this person? Mm-hmm. And the person never asks yeah, you just kind of decide, like, you know what, you're you're in the coven now. Welcome. Because we definitely had at least one person who was, like, all gung-ho, like, they wanted to be in, and that really turned us off. Because yeah. I, I, we feel, I think we both come to this, even though we're from different traditions, this idea that you should be working on your own. 
you should have an idea of who you are. And if we feel that that vibe that is going to vibe with us, that energy is going to vibe with us, then we may want you, you know, to come in. And it's so fundamentally the opposite of what Buckland is saying, because I'm sure that if somebody walked up to Buckland and was like, I really want to be in your coven, he would be like, yes, welcome to Wicca. Here's some books. Right. And I think that the other reason, and I'd be curious to know how many covens work like ours, because I definitely think that we're not in the minority. Um, You know, I like to know what you do because you're not Wiccan. Yeah. So I'm going to learn something from you, you know, that I'm not going to get anywhere else. So, and I think we all kind of like that, this idea that we're all on our own. So when we do come together, we can have something to discuss that's not, yeah, of course. Yeah, I do that too. You know what I mean? Like it's just, you know. um, I think that the difference between a coven as a religious entity and a coven as a group of like-minded people is very... That's a that's another sort of key break in the history. And like as as you were talking about it, my brain goes, is it appropriation for modern witches to use coven? Because we're not a religious and I know it's not. <laughs> I, I know that it's not, but it, it it's so fundamentally different to take this religious idea and morph it in the way that we have to the point where they are they're two different things. It's the same word, but they're two fundamentally different things that work in the opposite way. A religious coven wants you to be excited, wants you to seek them out, wants you to initiate, wants you to follow the rules, wants you to discuss the texts and the tenets and follow the same gods. And a modern coven is like, YOLO, bruh, do we vibe? Can we to, like learn from each other? Do we have different things to bring to the table? And it's so, it's like a complete... It's like how Republicans in the past Ugh. of America were like the opposite. <laughs> right. Like versus the Federalists. I'm thinking of Hamilton. You know what I mean? Okay, that's fine. Because I was going to say, oh, please, this is like my little bubble where like no, no, no. the outside world Hamilton happens. Only. So, like, when, the minute you said Republicans, I went, oh, my heart just dropped. Like, but it, okay. it's it's that flip. It's the, right. like they, the word has completely flipped from what it originally was to what we are working with now i think that the word witch is getting there as well i agree because i think we've talked a lot about how witch and wicca were synonymous and even in this book witch and wicca are synonymous um i i obviously love that that switch has happened because i get to be a witch because of it (laughs) well i think i don't know in my mind they were always separate and the same yeah right so um, then he goes into the historical background of Saxons. Yes. Which I think is pretty cool. And then he starts talking about the beliefs. And that's where he starts talking about Woden and uh, Freya. Um, he also discusses how Christianity was at war with Hellenics and heathens. And yes. they would adopt practices and then stop. And, you know, some that survived are things like Yuletide. So that was kind of cool. I really Learned like... A bit of the history. Um, I liked his discussion of heathens because it's the first time mm. that we're seeing um, he- heathenism even in the practice and knowing what has happened with heathenism over time to see sort of the, ori- the, the 
origin, the origin of that word in pagan discussion is very interesting because he does, he's talking about it in a very sort of clinical sense. Like this is what this was and this is what they believed in the same way that he talks about Hellenics. This is what and this is why. Um, It's, it made me feel sort of like he's creating an ancestor for you to attach to. And I think that kind of related for me to heathenism and to Hellenismos and all of the reconstruction religions is this idea that you need to be connected to something in your past. Um, Saxon, Seax Wicca, takes it in a very Wiccan direction, but heathenism and Hellenismos take it in a very historical direction. And the the dichotomy of the way that you can take all of these things, because I think Saxon Wicca probably is less accurate to a, a historical Saxon, mm. but I also think is probably fundamentally less at risk of being hijacked by bad actors because it's not trying to take Saxon beliefs literally. So as much as he's telling us, you know, this is what Saxons did, this is how they practiced, he's also saying, this is how we're interpreting it through a Wiccan lens versus you have to do it this way and this is the only thing that matters. And, And it's, I think, the same reason why I personally resonate more with like revivalist Hellenismos versus like pure reconstruction because I don't want to, I don't want to live in ancient Greece. Like I want to have rights and stuff. So that's not really my vibe. But I think that's why I think it's important to read this book because we get to see what he's doing. He's not, um, he's not trying to trick the reader in any way. Yeah. Right. He does tell you some of the differences um, and he tells you how Woden is seen um, by this, by this, the yeah. way he's interpreting it, right? He's not a warrior. He, he walked the rolling downs and watched, you know, over the living people and all this stuff, you know, like he tells you the differences so that you, if you have more, you're inclined to learn more, you can absolutely go back and say, okay, I'm going to read more on Woden. I want to read more yes. on Freya. I want to find out more about this. So, and if you're kind of not vibing with, it doesn't have to be Wicca, but I'm just going to say Wicca. Right. And but you see parts of it. I think that if you've studied enough, why can't you do what Buckland has done and say, okay, this vibes with me. This vibes with me. Right. Um, And I don't think when you put together something like this, you just do it willy nilly. I think there was a lot of thought and a lot of reading and a lot of research and why Buckland chose this route to go. And I think that anyone who takes it seriously can do something like this. I think the tree is very, like, I think you could very easily call it the Bible of Saxon Wicca. Yeah. And I think that on the one hand, it is really cool to be able to look back on a modern, mainly religious movement and find where the texts are created. Because it's something that really you can't do as well for Christianity or Judaism or Islam. Like there's a lot of mm-hmm. mythology around the writers of those texts. And so mm-hmm. I, I, it's just so cool to be able to be like, this is a, this is a living man, right? Who, he died 
pretty recently, you know, in the last mm-hmm. 50 years or something, um, who was called for whatever reason, good or bad, to create a religion. Right. And it's different, I think, to Gardner because this is a very, like, you can use this book. I I almost felt like I was reading a hymn book from church. Like, it tells you exactly what to do. These are the steps. Like, Book of Shadows, very clearly encapsulated versus, like, a lot of the more complicated philosophical stuff that we were talking about with Crowley and the ceremonial magic aspect. Um I know that we have talked about this out of, outside of the podcast. There is a small part of me that has always wanted to be a cult leader. So, like, this, this calls to me as a person who, like, has analyzed religion as a concept so deeply. I'm like, I would, I would love to do this, to, like, write my own religion. But then the problem with that is, is that I sit here and I go, oh this could be bad. People could do this and take advantage of other people. And the question then becomes, and like we've talked about it a lot, whether or not people like Gardner or Crowley were genuine practitioners or they were using their power to take advantage of the people around them. Um, You know, there is so much room in religion to be such a positive thing in people's lives But then there's also so much room for it to go wrong. And where is the line for writing a a fundamental religious text? You know? That's a good question. That could be a whole podcast. Like Um, major religions get away with it because it was done so many, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago for some of these texts. Paganism was like 80 years ago. Well, paganism paganism has always been. It's just modern neo paganism, yeah. Right. Um, I don't know, but, it, but when you use the term cult leader, you're definitely saying somebody's taking advantage of somebody else. I just want attention. Okay, that's like. And if we're looking at it that way, part of me sometimes thinks that's what Gardner wants. He just wanted like some attention. Yeah. Crowley, I think, really believed this stuff. I mean, I think he lived it, not believed he it. He also really it. wanted attention. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I am wearing Crowley oil from uh, Seance Perfumes. Yeah, they did not pay us to say that, but I, I do love just, Seance Perfumes. It makes you like Crowley better because you're wearing the perfume. I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm just, like, embodying Crowley right now. Um, no, I mean, dude, some of the things that he studied, you don't study, that's not light reading. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, he, he was in. He was all in. I and mean, he might have wanted attention, but the man was all in. And yeah, I'm not saying sure. Gardner wasn't all in, but I don't think you play with some of the things that Crowley played with, like, just to see. You know what I mean? Just for fun. Just, just messing see. around. A chaos magic. Just to see. I yeah. just want to see. You know, although not for nothing, we, we kind of wanted to do that. But that's a, t- a, t- that's a different podcast that's a, that we can yeah. come to at a different time. Um, talks about reincarnation. Always human. There's no heaven or hell. So um, he addresses that which is part of Wicca, but he, instead of calling it Summerland, it's Drown? Drown? I don't I know don't. how to pronounce it. Um, you go, you rest and relax, you reunite with loved ones, and you have meetings with gods and goddesses to plan your future life or lives. And I like that. I just like the way he said, you know, you have meetings. 
Yeah. Um, makes me think of all the meetings we've had, all the Zoom meetings we've had. <laughs> but it also because it mirrors my upbringing where that's kind of what you do. But it's instead of gods and goddesses in my upbringing, it's your guides. Mm-hmm. So it's not any kind of um, judgment. It's just what did you do? Is that what you wanted to do? Oh, you didn't finish doing this? Well, then off you go. Like, go finish it. You know what yeah. I mean? Kind of thing. Or, okay, you did that. Where do you want to go now? Kind of thing. So, um, and occasionally he says there's a carrying forward of previous amassed knowledge. And that's where we get child prodigies. And yes. That's how I was raised, too. That, you know, sometimes things from your past life kind of sneak in. Um, and you'll be really good at something. And you're like, where did that come from? Because you've spent some time working on it. So... Did we talk about how I had a past life reading at, like, a Renaissance fair? No. Oh, my God. So at the Renaissance fair. I don't know why I'm saying a Renaissance fair. There's one in New York that I go to. It's the Renaissance fair. That's um, true. Well, there's one in um, in Inwood, too. I don't even it's know It's, like, where for a day. Um, upper Manhattan. It's, like, real close to Rockland. It's, like, maybe less than half an hour. I don't go to the city. <laughs> I know. Okay. I wish that our go listeners ahead. could have seen me say that because it was the most condescending <laughs> yeah i know like I i'm sorry like roll my eyes actually yeah. for that no. um but i got a past life reading and i like wasn't expecting anything of it because it's the renaissance fair you know what i mean but this lady was like oh yeah you were scottish and you made um like tapestries you like that was what you did and as a person who is constantly like fidgeting i i have gotten really into like macrame and like what is that called? Embroidery over the course of my life. And I was like, hmm, maybe that was it. Maybe that, maybe she's onto something. So ever since then, I'm like, oh, now I want to do like past life regressions and see if she was like, right. If I believe her or not. The only thing similar to that for me was, um, I used to play when I was a kid, classical, classical guitar, and I used to play violin and I dropped it. Yeah, I dropped it. And the weird thing is, Like, when I was first learning the violin, I told my teacher, like, this is just not working. And he's like, it's out of tune. Like, I didn't even know. I hadn't even learned to tune my Mm -hmm. instrument yet. He was like, this is out of tune. He goes, try it now. And I played the piece. But for me, it was very mechanical. Like, Mm -hmm. I could play, like, once you gave me some music. um, But I had no joy and I had no love. And I told my mom, like, I don't want to do this anymore. And she said to me, you probably did this in another life because you pick up string instruments really quickly and then you're good. She goes, mm-hmm. but I see it in you. It's like, okay, you're just playing. She goes, you don't miss a note. You don't, but there's no love in it. She mm-hmm. goes, you're probably done. You probably don't need to do this anymore, but new body and you can pick it up and do it. So I thought that was interesting. She said to me and I was like, she's just trying to make me feel better, but there might be <laughs> some truth in that. I don't know. If yeah. anybody listening knows of a practitioner who does like really dope past life regression, shoot us a DM. Maybe mm. we'll work something out do a podcast on it. I'm just saying, I'm really interested. He said also that reincarnation explains deja vu. Did I ever tell you my deja vu in London? No. Okay, so I spent, I haven't gone back. I spent a summer in London um, when I was in college, but I was so excited about this trip that I had this dream. And I was a woman in this dream because of the dress. And I don't know if it was Edwardian or Victorian because I'm not good at like, pinpointing dates Mm. of clothes but just really briefly because I'm not gonna go into the whole dream but I was talking to a man and I definitely knew in my dream that this man was my husband and we were talking about the overdevelopment of London 
And he, we looked outside of our house, like this townhome type of house, and there was a building being put up. Okay, forget the dream. All right, that was just like months before my trip. Had a dream. So now we're walking down the street, and one of my friends says, I need to get to a bank. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. When you turn the corner, there's one across the street. And the minute I said it, she looked at me, and I was like, I don't know. I said, I don't know. I must be tired. Okay, it was the building from my dream. Oh, my God. Okay, I and love that. she and she was like, How did you know? I said I must have read it in a book, but I remember the dream. I was like freaked out. And it made me wonder if that dream wasn't just really like a replay of something yeah. that had happened. And I just and I knew it. And I just it was the only time in London, by the way. I never had another feeling like that. And I can't even tell you now what street we were on or anything like that. It was years ago. But we I just remember being really shook. We need to do a fast life regression that has to be an episode of the podcast in one of the future seasons okay that's fine as long as we definitely know who this person is i'm just not trusting anybody to take me back also i mean i don't interact with other human beings because it's a pandemic so like in the far future like if somebody's got to breathe on me it's got to be years from now okay so my mom swears she knows how to do it not to other people but to yourself no no to yourself okay well mom should tell but, us how to do it and then we'll do it okay i will tell you off the podcast because i'll tell you off the podcast it's okay. just not something that i would want to encourage people to do a lot of what my mom does sometimes freaks me out let's just put it that way. your mom is i want to do an episode just on your mom i want to interview just have my mom. mom on the podcast yes my mom will just be like what what do you want to know what oh my god i love her <laughs> I'll ask her one day if she wants to. Um... She's a Pisces. Maybe we can do it for Pisces season. I'm sure that the people listening would like to hear all of the like crazy stuff that your mom does. To be honest, I don't even know if she will talk about it. Because, okay, so there was a witch who said the same thing. It was like, I would love to sit down with your mom. And we hung out one day. And my mom was like tight-lipped and mm-hmm. said very little she knows and, and I was like mom and she was like I, you don't talk about this with everybody I have to know the person I don't really I just don't get that feeling from that person mom's not coming on the podcast yeah I don't think she is either but you never know she might maybe if we talked about a specific topic that she would be willing to talk about maybe she yeah. would come on so I'll ask her I'll ask her you know um what else is he talk about he talks about there's no retribution okay i like this there's no judgment day yeah 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 we know that uh in which beliefs you get back at three times the magnitude whatever you do be it good or evil however there's a caveat for the saxons and that is you are entitled to move along i guess karma right to get what you need if you're protecting yourself so if somebody's doing something to you whether they're a witch or a Mm non-witch you have the right to protect yourself and send that energy back. And here's the thing. So I was raised not to do that. And I know witches do that all the time too, right? Whatever I, whatever happens bounces back to you. Um, and I just don't do that. I always say if there is something negative that I have the right, like he said here, to have that energy removed. But I send whoever's sending that, I send them love. Because you have to be some kind of messed up to intentionally send this energy out to somebody. The last thing you need is more hate. I feel like if you hate and you go to attack first, 
then your whole world is about hate, right? Um, so I'm going to send more hate to you. It's your own hate, right? Granted, it's kind of like a shield. I'm holding my hands up. Nobody can see me. But it's kind of like a mirror, right? It's like bouncing. Yeah. And witches use mirrors for that purpose as well, to re- project back whatever's coming to you. And I'm just like, mm, once it gets to me, let it change. And I always imagine it in colors. Probably the only time I use pink. And I have the blackness, which I consider like the negativity, change to pink and the pink goes back. You know, maybe that might soothe that person and make them reconsider. But I definitely have the right to protect myself. Um, I was just curious what you thought about that. I think that's so funny because I was actually like very confused about this. I was like, at what point was protection not considered anything other than neutral? Like it felt weird to have to qualify it to be like, no, but you're allowed to protect yourself. Like, don't worry. That's not bad. You won't get in trouble for that. Like, duh, I guess. Like, I don't, I don't see protection as either a good thing or a bad thing in the same way that like eating is not a good thing or a bad thing. It's a thing that you have to do to survive. So like, if I put up If I put up a ward that is like a mirroring ward that sends back whatever energy you send to me, it's fundamentally protective and therefore it is neither a positive thing or a negative thing. If you send me negative energy, that's on you, you know? Like that's your karma that you have to deal with. I don't. Well, see, that's why I, when I do my ward, they get back love because they're going to get back what they did anyway. Whatever you do is coming back to you. So if you do all this negative stuff, you're getting it anyway. You don't need extra from me is how I feel. Even though it's not technically from me, it's your own, but you're gonna get it back anyway. So let me try to do what I can so you get a little bit less. Because I just don't think everybody hating and hexing and hating and hexing, like where are we, like why are you spending all your energy on that? It's just a lot of energy to set, a lot of energy on you to send that energy out. But isn't it you know more energy I mean? on you to have to take that negative energy and change it? Like, you didn't make that negative energy. That's somebody else's business. I mean, not if, you know, it's part of my daily protection and, and shielding. Then it's it's kind of like, boop, it's kind of like fast. You know but what I then, mean? It's not. See, I guess this is my fundamental take here. I don't mm-hmm. care how a witch does protection. Right. Right, like it's something that you should do. Oh no, because yeah. If you're an energetic person, you want to put up an energetic boundary. But like right. by the time you're at this point, yeah, protection should be sort of second nature. So it doesn't it doesn't matter. Oh, it yeah, doesn't no, matter if you're sending it back or not sending it back. Right. No, I'm with you on that. It's it's for every wish to decide. It's just, you know, my thing. Yeah. No, I I feel you. I am because, like, that's the thing. If it's fast, if it's something that you can do quick and easy, then, look, why does it matter? Right. You know? So other things he talks about in this book is a hierarchy. So, whereas other traditions, you have a, a priest, a high priest, and a high priestess. He says that in this tradition, you can have a high priest or a high priestess, and each can function on their own. And then he talks about the different... People. So you have, and I'm going to pronounce these all wrong. Um, the Theos? Thos? Oh, yeah, Thos. Right? Thos. That's basically the Cowans, right? 
Um, they can attend by invitation, but they're not actually part of the coven. And then if they want to be initiated, they go into a training program, and then they're known as calls, uh, neophytes, basically. And then yes. eventually that will lead to initiation. Um, and what they do is they need to be trained. Usually it's somebody of the opposite. Again, here we have this binary um, idea of the opposite gender person to train them, and they need to read books. Now, he did say that he had listed the books at the end of this book. Yes. And we'll talk about that when we get to the end. Um, and he says initiation does not have to be a year and a day. It could be as short as a month. This person is trained for a month and they can be initiated, or it could take a year. So I think they really go by ba basis on a person-by-person uh, basis. He says that he prefers the covens to have an equal number of males to females. There we go with the binary again. Um, and then he says something that I was like, oh, and, I, and I'm just going to read it the quote. Um, Although it seems unlikely that a homosexual would be attracted to a religion which is defined as male, female based, it does sometimes happen. And I was like, the what? I wrote the same quote. Okay. <laughs> I know so many people that are LGBTQ that are Wiccan that it's like, oh, it does sometimes happen. I was like, yeah, sometimes. So it, he, but he does say he feels that the Saxon religion is best to absorb. So homosexuals, as he says it, I'm going to use his term, can be absorbed best in Saxon. And I mean, I was like, okay. I, I don't even know how to, what to make of that, except to say it's 1974, yeah. and um, I'm just going to give him... I, I feel, in all honesty, I feel... I don't know if I feel this way about Gardner, but I feel like Buckland today would probably say, you know what, um, there are more than two genders, Yeah, and everybody... I think that it's just a matter of, of time. So even though definitely reading it now, you might go, uh, I feel weird about this, I would say... With him, just give him a pass. 1974, it's all good. All good. I don't think he would still feel this way. I just think it's so funny when you look back at, like, historical stuff and, like, Buckland truly believes that a homosexual man is just so obsessed with men that being around women is, like, too much. And, like, yeah, I, don't, I know yeah. gay men and they're constantly surrounded by women. Well, not all. I mean, they're not all, but That's, yeah. Yes, but like, it's almost like gay people have personalities and that they are people and that the gender of the people that surround them is like not actually oh, yeah. relevant to their choices. Yeah. But 1974, they're like, no, no, there's there's women. The gays might have a problem. They might. They might. They, they We're might. We're not really sure. Sometimes yeah. they don't. As long as they identify as male or female, they won't have a problem because that's yeah. all there is. You know, but again, you know, I'm going to say um, it shouldn't turn people off because, again, he didn't write this now. I think if he wrote this now, people would just say he's, you know, a quack or something. So Yeah, I think you know. that Buckland has made it very clear that his stance in Wicca is get the most people in Wicca. Like, he, yeah, his Wicca is the most out. open version of Wicca. And so I can yes. absolutely see that if Buckland were writing these texts today, I don't I don't think gender would even be relevant to him in the discussion. Right. Because right. he because just wants not as even many talking, people. Right. Because they're not talking about the great right in yeah. this. Um, 
which, you know, absolutely could be done with different genders. So it doesn't really matter. But, yeah, um, yeah I think it would be totally different. He also says you don't have to go through this process of being initiated. You can skip the process and self-initiate. And the reason, this is to give folks access to the craft, period. Yes. And so it just goes with what you were saying, right? Anybody who wants access to the craft should have it if you want to go with a you want to be able to say that you are part of a coven or that you're following a tradition, you should be able to. And I think that's another reason he wrote this book because this yeah. is giving people access. Now you have some, you can follow the Saxon way and you can say you're legit because this is a legit thing that I'm doing and you do not have to worry about anybody else. And he also says this whole idea of mystery, which he mentioned in the beginning of the book, that Wicca is a religion of mystery. Nope, no vow of secrecy. Here's the book of shadows. You have it in your hands if you have a, physical hand you know if not a physical book if not you're looking at it online yeah. and clothing is optional which i thought was interesting the other thing i thought was really wild the officers okay so you have the scribe the secretary yes and then you have basically a guard you have somebody who walks around with a spear and maybe a, a horn what was the horn again the hunting horn yes to go i guess to notify everybody yeah to say like you know you're screwed they're coming to kill us like i don't know i just thought that was weird like it's just everything seems so modern and then we get to the the guard yeah. with the spear and the horn. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, what is? I want to be that guy. If I was in a Saxon coven, I just want to walk around with a spear. And every once in a while, like if I'm bored, just blow the horn. Just be like, oh, God, all it's like crazy. Frazzled. It's crazy. Hide. It's, yeah. it's really cool. Also, because I, I just thought of this. Um, technically, all Saxon practitioners are lineaged British traditional Wiccan practitioners of wicca because buckland was lineaged and so if you practice saxon wicca you can trace your practice back to gardner so technically oh, even though saxon wicca is like fundamentally not british traditional wicca it it is lineaged it counts that's true so for I people wonder- who feel that that need to connect to british traditional wicca this is a way to do it absolutely yeah. I'm sure he did that with that in mind. The Sabbaths are the same. Yeah. He hasn't changed that at all, which I think is probably, I mean, I'm trying to think. And also the tools they use, it's it's fundamentally, yeah, it's Wiccan. I mean, he does say it's, well, he just says the complete book of Saxon witchcraft. He doesn't say Saxon Wicca, but yeah. Those were the same thing back then. Yeah. And then he... And then the rest of the book is all about hand fasting, hand parting, um, how to do different spells. Ooh. What else? Oh, the different things for the different uh, Sabbaths. Yeah. Let's let's chat a little bit. Oh, okay. So he talks about white magic versus black magic. Mm-hmm. Saxon witches can only do white magic, right? They can't do anything bad. Right. But they can't they- initiate it. But if somebody does something to them, they can retaliate. Yes. But they can do love spells. Okay. Yeah. And the poppet, that's what he, that's the example he used, which is, wow, talk about bending somebody's will. I mean, unless you're going to use the poppet, this is hot take. Have a poppet of your partner and like every once in a while, give it a back rub. Aw. Right? Like just every once in a while, you know what? I think that they need some de-stress just like a little little poppet back rub i think that'd be really cute that's not what he's saying though no yeah he's saying he's oh i was tight i read it and i was like buckland yeah it doesn't make sense but he 
but here we go again. It's about thinking about the intent. And I don't think a lot of people do, which is why I'm just so surprised at how many people are ready to do a love spell. It's like, really think about what you're doing. Okay. This is definitely a tangent, but fundamentally, so much of what we talk about in witchcraft is intention, right? right? You have an intention when you're doing a spell. Having an intention, it's the intention, it's not the action. It's like so much of that is witchcraft. It's about your mindset. Which, I mean, in reality, like in, in the real world, right, in the mundane world, intent doesn't mean shit, right? If you do a bad action right. for a good reason, you're still doing a bad thing. Right. But, like, if your entire craft practice is based on intention, how are how are you not self-aware of the bad intention of love spells? Like, that's a cognitive mm-hmm. dissonance to me. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, we can also say healing spells. You know... We don't know what we owe. And we don't know, aside from what we owe, when our time is up. So, you know, like I said, and I, and I said this in another podcast, when it comes to healing, I always send, I would like the person to feel better. I would like for the doctors to see what they're supposed to see. Mm-hmm. Right? I would like for them to take care of themselves the way they're supposed to. I cannot go against the will even of that person. We've all chosen when our time is. We're not aware of it, but we've all chosen it. So if my time is to get sick now, no one should interfere with that. Can you make me feel better during this time? I'm sure that could be allowed, right? But we can't go against what has already been set up. We have no idea. But we can alleviate people. We can try to heal if that's what is meant to be. And I, and I wish that people would understand that. that you, know, you can have all the intent in the world, but you have no idea. You know, we all know we have to go at some point. And we hate it when somebody goes when we deem it too early. But we don't know. And I'm talking about natural causes. I'm talking about somebody gets hit by a car. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, that An accident is... is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a natural death. As much as we hate it, and especially we hate it when it's the young. You know, we always say, oh, when someone's older, they lived a full life. Isn't that wonderful? And I think it is wonderful to live a full life before you go. But we have no idea what we have said. We're going not just by him, but by other traditions. What do we have said our mission in this lifetime is? And maybe this is all we get to do. Yeah. So I think witches should also think about that when they're doing healing spells. As much as we hate it, because we do hate it. Um, to not be able to help is something to think about. Yeah, I think that there might need to be a wish space further discussion of this at a later point because I, I do think that like sitting down and and working out what intent does for witchcraft and also how that interplays with witchcraft for others. Okay. Write it down. God damn it. Things to talk about. 
Yeah, well, because I don't want to take too much time out of this already very long podcast about Buckland. Right, right. So, yeah, just, I mean, to wrap it up, uh, I guess, talking about this book, he go- takes you through everything you might need to know, what tools you need, um, how to celebrate the Sabbath. He gives you step by step on what to do. Um, what else does he have that have we got- talked about? He's got, oh, divination, herbs, um, songs. He talks about magical alphabets which you can learn more about in my Witchcraft Level 2 on the Div- World Divination which you Association. you should definitely take. Um, <laughs> shameless plug. And then he has the bibliography. I don't know if you want to talk about something before we get to that. Crystal scrying, I think, is dope because I just read the oh. words crystal scrying and thought, oh, shit, what if you just scried with your regular crystals? What if it was about building a trance around the crystal and not actually staring mm. into a mirrored surface? Which I don't think is what right. Buckland was saying, but like I'm going to try that now. Yeah, why not? And let me know how that goes. I also talk about scrying in witchcraft level too, but that's, you know, just throwing that out there. It's an important foundation that everybody should have a little bit of knowledge in. And if you don't have it, you can get it in witchcraft level too. There you go. I really um, should be paid for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, bibliography. Yeah, let's do it. So I don't know about you, but I was disappointed in it because he's talking about how Saxons have to read certain books and they really have to get deep into it. And then we look at the bibliography and girl, we've talked about these books. Yeah. Witchcraft Today, The White Goddess, which I wish we didn't talk about. Aradia. I mean, yeah, these just seem to be books on witchcraft wicca herbs whatever not necessarily saxon yeah he has a lot of citations throughout the book which anybody who is listening to this podcast more than one episode knows i'm obsessed with but when your citations end in that bibliography it's just disappointing you know do i think that in 1974 it was a great bibliography because these are the texts that everybody was reading to build a foundation in witchcraft absolutely but do I think that it did anything to support the text that he wrote? No. Right. They're not related. No, I think, you know, I'm almost feeling like he wrote this and maybe thinking people wouldn't have picked up some of the other books. Like maybe somebody read this and went, oh, the complete book of Saxon witchcraft. I need that. Yeah. You know, um, so I do have a copy of it, which I'm, I'm showing you. Um, people can't see it, but I'm holding it. Oh, it's very Why hard to get Why did I buy this of. thing? I didn't know that. Oh my. It's in really good shape. God, it's $74 on Amazon. Holy crap. Okay, yeah, don't do that. Um, so that's disappointing. But you, you said you found it online. Yes. Okay, so yeah, maybe get like a Kindle version or something like that. I don't think anybody should spend that kind of money on a book unless it's like a first edition and you want to add to your collection. Yes. Then yeah, but I think that's a little kooky. But um, I bought it because I was interested in. First of all, I liked the way I like the way he writes. Um, and second, what does that even mean, Saxon witchcraft? You know what I mean? For me, it was like yeah. I just wanted to learn more. Um, so in that sense. I do think people, it's worth picking this up. If you can get it cheap or online. I had no idea this book was so expensive that it was out of print. 
I didn't know that until you told me um, yeah. right before we did the podcast because I, I don't think I would have suggested this because I like all our books to be books that people can get their hands on if they want to. But if they can get it online, I think that's still good. And I'll, I'll look to that in the future, not to, you know, mention a book that's 74 bucks, you know. Well, I think that discussing the book is really valuable because I think that some of the takeaways for our listeners might be more important than necessarily reading the book. True. Um, I think that the impact of this text, even more than Big Blue, is this idea that as we move to a modern practice, we are filling the niches that are missing. And if, as you're practicing and as you're listening to this, you're feeling like something's not vibing or like I'm missing something or I do something that's really different than other people, that this book validates that. And it validated Mm -hmm. it in 1974. Right. You know, even from almost the beginning of this movement, people were realizing there is room for growth and there is room for difference and difference is valuable and important. And so even if you don't read the tree, you know, even if you don't go on the Internet Archive and request the book for 12 days and then read it in one day because it's actually really short and convenient, um listening to us talk about it I still think was really important because I do think that the way that Buckland wrote this is different than the way a lot of those beginning texts were written I also think it's important for people to start seeing somebody who has a direct connection to Gardner we're not talking about how many generations later somebody who was initiated who spent a lot of time working on this has taken that first step to say, this is not in the shadows. My Book of Shadows is accessible to everyone. And Saxon Witchcraft is accessible to everyone, whether you get initiated by somebody or you start start your line with you. Um, This is a way to start. So that is different. Even if he's still stuck in the mindset that's older in other aspects, he's taking that first step with this book and saying, okay, this is a more modern approach. This is something that people can do. So that's why, you know, I thought it was important to to look at this old text. The next book, I don't even know. I haven't decided yet what we're going to look at. This year has been the kind of year where we just kind of wing it. And I think that that's for every aspect of my life, at least, and probably a lot of aspects of our listeners' lives. So just consider it a surprise. We'll surprise you with the next book. Yeah. And we may have actually a nice surprise for the next podcast, but we're not going to talk about it because with technology, we can't yeah. guarantee anything. So we're always kind of, so it's not like we're trying to be coy or we're trying to, we just we don't want to promise something. Work. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, we don't want to have people looking forward to something that doesn't happen. But once we know that it's absolutely happening, we will start posting about it on our Instagram page. Yes. And of course, you should sign up for Witchcraft Level 2. You should come to the oh, Serpent and Bone Market. That, no, that they, they should do. They should do both. Um, Moon Serpent oh. and Bone, we have a little video that we made that we would love for you guys to see. Um, there's also going to be a bunch of vendors there. It's Otherworldly Waxes, which you know we love. Yeah. So it's moonserpentandbone.com. You can check out who the vendors are going to be. I think she's going to, she's already started listing them on Instagram. So if yeah. you're on Instagram, you want to follow Moon Serpent and Bone and see who the vendors are going to be. She always has great vendors. Um, and the speaker, she's going to have readers too. Oh, that's awesome. So you can get an online reading. So definitely check it out. It's free. There's no, you know, 
cost no to cover. go online. There's no cover to go online. Some some places are doing that online, but she's not doing that. So definitely take advantage of this. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll be posting um, as it gets closer. We'll keep mentioning it also. Um, I mentioned it on my personal stuff on Facebook and Instagram as well to get people to go over there. Because I just think, you know, she's, well, you heard her on our podcast. If you didn't, it was in February. And she's just an amazing person, an amazing practitioner. And she always gets the best people to these things. So you should not miss it. And also don't miss Witchcraft Level 2. Oh, my God. What On, on the WDA website, World Divination Association. Witchcraft Level 2. You're terrible. You're I'm just, terrible. Pl- listen, I think it's dope, and I think that we should plug it, because it's dope. Okay, but it just feels weird, because they don't actually have to do this. But the Moon oh, Serpent and Bone thing, they have to do. They don't have to do anything. Well, we can't I know. But them. it's fall. I mean, I don't know about you, but fall has already got me thinking oh, about yeah. Scorpio season. So, yeah, so it's actually September 5th. September 5th. 6 p.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The best so of So you might times. want to check that out. Yeah. So even if you're far, I'm trying to think, 6 to 12, you should be able to... Midnight in Europe, parts of Europe, it starts, but... It'll be nice for California, though. It'll be nice for California, yeah. And it's, it's a Saturday, so it's not like most people aren't working Sunday, so... You could definitely check it out. And if you're thinking, oh, my God, it's going to be really expensive, there are vendors there with all different price points. So yeah. everyone can can get something really cool. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's nice to be able to do something that we would have done in person. Like to still have the experience. Yeah, yeah I miss all the in-person stuff. And, like, we had road trips planned this, this summer and, like, yeah. nothing. You know, but... That's okay. I'll have to shop blood milk from my computer. That's all. I was just looking forward to going there and like yeah. buying stuff. Well, we will. And you, the listeners, can all be very content to know that the minute that it is safe for us to do so, we will be making up for all of this lost time. So you're still going to get podcasts about these experiences just a little bit delayed. Yeah, definitely. And we're still doing stuff like this virtual market. So yeah. There's still stuff to do. And, you know, this is something I think I told you, but I've told other people when we realized that Halloween was going to be canceled. I said, what do you mean Halloween is canceled? I mean, aside from Sarwin, Sarwin's never canceled. But let's just talk about Halloween. Hopefully, in our lifetimes, we will never have to do this again. Yeah. So how can people get creative? What can we do that we never would do otherwise? And if you don't have fun this Halloween, it's on you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like... I still think that October is an awesome month and I'm still going to have a lot of fun, even if all of it is virtual and even if it's just me picking out movies that I haven't seen in forever and watching these horror movies and dressing up myself and that's it. Like, I'm not giving up on things that I like. It's just going to look different and we should look at this as an opportunity to try to do something different instead of saying it's been canceled. No, it hasn't been canceled. It's different. So do something different. This is our charge to you. Once you're done with this podcast, go out there and do something different. Yeah. She's laughing at me. It's true, though. No, it's cute. I like it. I already got a pumpkin spice latte. I love that for you. Now I want to go get Starbucks. All right, podcast over. I'm going to get Starbucks. (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you guys so much for listening to us and for giving us the opportunity to joke about pumpkin spice lattes. 
<laughs> Thank you to Sean McShane for our amazing intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. <laughs>